Good morning, everyone. So good to be with all of you again. Last week we were actually um, enjoying a great time on the beach. That was nice. Um, this morning, I have a lot that I want to share with all of you. It's going to be very personal. Um, some really unforeseen events have occurred over the last number of weeks, and um, you know, it's it's one thing to expect an event, but it's totally different for it to be unexpected or unforeseen. And you know, we we all go through life, and we we expect certain things to happen. I mean. I don't think any of us worry about the sun rising in the morning, right? It's expected. We know that's going to happen. But there's so many things that we don't know that are coming, and they can be good or they can be not so good or pleasant or un uh, unpleasant. And those prefixes really can change the meaning of a word. Expected and unexpected, two totally different meanings. And... Um, Several weeks back, I had um, felt directed to give a testimony. Boy, did I have no idea what was coming uh, about a week or so after that. And I talked about some of the great changes within the company that I was working with at the time. Namely, you know, the, the ability to have uh, unlimited PTO to be able to take things whenever you wanted, not really knowing the intent behind that but as things started to unfold or as we would say begin to manifest i began to see why they were offering some of these things and i'm going to go through kind of a, a a sequence of events that occurred and i've had not a lot of time to think about it i've tried to keep my mind off of it because it could really be a point of uh, discouragement if 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 I allow it but that morning I gave that testimony among other things that were, were really going on in the company and I had transitioned into a new role uh, back in January where I moved into the education uh, department of the company and I was helping and it was only uh, a temporary assignment initially but then it was offered as a full-time uh, position and so for the next three or four months, um, I was being asked to develop um, something from the ground up that what did not exist in the company. And it was just numero uno <laughs> in the beginning. So I, I, I willingly did that. It was a great learning experience. Um, and I developed some curriculum and, you know, some different things that the company was, is still using. And then they started to, the, the workload got too much to where they added some new people, and that was great. We were growing, we were expanding. I'm sharing all these details because it makes no sense of what happened, only that, you know, God was directing it, of course. <laughs> and so I helped develop that, worked to train a, um, a, a project manager on the process that I, I created, and then we added things along the way to the curriculum that was going to eventually go out 
and train um, hundreds of people in the organization. And so I worked with the project manager, and we worked for weeks and weeks. Her familiar with how the process works. And then they hired another um, programmer that I was assigned to to train them on this process. That way they could learn the, the, um, the various applications that I was using, learning management systems that I was um, training on and teaching. So I taught this programmer. So here I am being assigned to do all this work. And it's, it's fine. It's just part of the process. Um, instrumental and um, pioneering, and it, we would call it an apostolic work, <laughs> which is what it is, um, in business. And I thought things were going great. You know, I had heard that there had been a few layoffs, you know, in, in, and layoffs tend to happen in the upper management to mid-management level, not at the, the, where, the boots on the ground level most of the time. And so that was some of the things that had happened. Some vice presidents had been let go, and, you know, I didn't know the, the, the reasons. And all this time, I do remember, and I, I, I should probably go back and study this, I do remember a lot of dreams coming during that time. And I remember a teaching, now that I'm thinking about it right now, this just came. I remember standing here teaching a message titled, Lost. You guys remember that? kind of making a little bit of sense now <laughs> and I was in this dream remember so the Lord the Lord did lead and guide it's just sometimes we don't we're not quick to recognize the meanings of it until it starts to unfold and you know what that's okay I think sometimes that's better for us not to inject what we think's going on and just let it unfold you know uh, because there's no denying the meaning once it starts to really manifest. And after I gave that testimony, I'm going to fast forward a bit. Within a week, now mind you, they were pushing us to um, to get all of our um, vacation time, get it, get it off the books because beginning September 26th, which is already passed, um, we were not going to have any vacation or time accrued. It was just going to go to unlimited, okay? July the 21st, well, let me go back. A few days before July the 21st, we were, there was an email sent from upper management, and they said, we need all of you to be in a meeting on uh, July the 21st. And we could tell that it wasn't all the trainers so that was kind of a, I don't call it a red flag. It was more of a yellow flag at that point. It was caution. Something is getting ready to happen. And even one of the other trainers called me. She was out in the field at a site. And she said, hey, do you know what's going on here? I said, no, I don't have any idea. No idea at all. So I said, I do know that, you know, there's other individuals that are not on this list. I wonder why they're... Um, calling us out and then to make it even even more cautious was they were asking trainers to come in like a day earlier than we normally would from a site which is unusual so it went from a yellow flag to a red flag at that point <laughs> and so july the 21st i log in it's a zoom meeting mind you very very impersonal 
I know the pandemic's going on. I know things have changed, but very, very impersonal. And me and all these other trainers, a couple of supervisors, a director, and HR was on the call. No cameras are turned on. Again, another impersonal way of doing things. And I know in corporations there's, there are certain ways that they do things, but they could still be human. Yeah, like we do the Zoom calls, no cameras on, just totally blank, just voices only. Yes. When I say very impersonal, it was very okay. So the supervisor, one of them, started, you could tell she was reading from a legal document because of the language. <laughs> Goes into this, and all of a sudden, when I saw the HR lady pop in, my heart didn't go to my stomach, it went to my toes. And I knew... She passed it off, and, and then the HR lady said, as of today, you are no longer employed with our company. You will be let go at the end of the day. Now, the meeting was at 10. By 10.15, everything that I had done, now I'm, just, I'm just laying this out here, just telling you like it is. Everything I had accomplished, which I thought was great, everything that we were pioneering apostolically for the company, um, the people, we were, there was expansion going on, and in the midst of it, they, within just a matter of minutes, pulled the entire financial rug that I had for my family out from underneath my feet. A very, very good salary. And I was stunned. I had, I didn't know what to say. <laughs> I had no words. And after just a few moments, and to make matters worse, they said, within 30 minutes, you will no longer have access to any network resources. Everything will be stripped. And again, I understand the, the, the ramifications here, okay? Somebody else that we know this past week that we were with got the Dear John letter, too, at the beach house. He just got his. He works for a federal contractor in Washington, D.C. They gave him three to four weeks' notice. There was no notice here. So if a federal contractor could let you know three or four weeks in advance, you can kind of prepare a little bit more for that. You could. But in this case, it was totally unexpected change for me and my family. I gathered, tried to gather myself, my composure, and the HR person on the call said, does anybody have any questions? I said, questions <laughs> do you have a I mean yeah, of course I have questions I said I cannot believe what I'm hearing here no advance notice absolutely stunned here and you're gonna you're gonna kick us to the curb this is what they were just kicking you to the curb now I knew that there were some financial things going on in the company but I did not know all the the amount of money that the company owed. Now, I found this out over doing a quick Google search, and I had no idea of this. Just some, had some things going in my head and I'd heard, but uh, our company was under a major lawsuit and had to pay back $67 million to customers. They had, and you're thinking, customers? Inmates. Inmates had, had accounts where they could, uh, family and friends could put money in there, and they, they had money on their books, 
And when they left, the company had not returned that money. So that money was still there. And so the judicial system said, you owe this money back to them. It's not yours. And so from that point on, I knew that it was primarily financial decisions that were being made. Now, with this, um, this whole department that I was in did not exist until two and a half years ago. It was me and another person that started the whole group it, 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 that blossomed into 15 to 20 other trainers. <laughs> you would think that loyalty and commitment would come to the forefront of their mind in, in determining who's going to get the ax or not. Um, and I started looking at they, they laid off trainers. There were six on that call. And as soon as I was done, every trainer was like, man, what in the, uh, they had other colorful words is going on here. I said, have no idea, totally unexpected, had no idea. And so not only did it affect me, but it also affected uh, project managers. It affected other people in, in mid and upper management. So they were, they were going through the entire organization and just getting rid of people who knows what, what criteria they were using to determine it? Because, to be honest with you, everybody started reaching out to me going, man, what are they letting you go for? You got, you, you're certified in all these applications. You know more here than any trainer on this whole team here. Why are they getting rid of you? I said, I don't know. <laughs> Have no idea. And so, immediately after the 21st, you know, I've, I've been through this on the other side where I walked away. That was, expe I, that was expected. I knew that was coming. This is totally different. This is, when it's unexpected, unforeseen, it has a different impact on your, your, your mental state. So initially, I was stunned, shocked, could not believe it. I called my immediate uh, director in the education department, and I said, you know, did you, did you know this? I said, it's okay if you couldn't tell me, but just did you know it? He said, I had no idea. I didn't find out till yesterday afternoon, which would have been the 20th. And so one of my coworkers, so I call, after I talked to him, I said, he said, I can't believe it. I hate to lose great people, da-da-da. And so then I started, I wanted to call the team that I was working on. So I got all three of them together, called them on team, Microsoft Teams. said, hey, I've got some bad news to tell you guys. And they're like, what? I said, I just got laid off, and I won't be with the company any longer, and as soon as I get done with you, I'm shutting my laptop, packing the backpack up, getting it ready to ship back. They were, they, they were stunned. One guy, who, who this, this doctor who is a senior admin uh, over some of our systems, he, he said he was so distraught, he could not believe it. He sent a letter to the vice president of our company, and I didn't ask him to do this. He just felt compelled, and... He said, basically in the letter, you guys have missed it on this. You have no idea what you're losing as far as not only in value, but how the major con. So he went through this whole thing here. And, um, and I, I was very appreciative. And I'm still in contact with this person today. So the VP called him back and talked for a long time. And he asked if I, and this, this VP has worked for President George Bush He's worked with two, another, um, another president uh, in Washington, and he's, he's had his hands in a lot of things. And so he was impacted by what my coworker said, and he said, can you send him uh, all his contact information to me? 
And I said, he said, sure. But he asked me first. I said, sure, go right ahead. So while we're on vacation, <laughs> um, we're in Publix going to get some groceries for the meal that we're supposed to cook. And the VP calls me out of the blue. And he says, hey, this is so-and-so. And he said, I am so sorry for what happened. He said, I had, I had no idea. So they weren't even letting the VPs know. <laughs> I mean, this is people that are right up un underneath the CEO of the entire organization. So I say all that to say this. This leads to this teaching here. When you are totally unexpecting something to happen, and you guys have felt this. You've been in different situations. This was something totally new for me. I had, you know, uh, no one had ever let me go because, you know, it just, it's, it's just totally different. So while we were in Florida, you know, the Lord had been speaking to me and he directed me about teaching on what it meant to be led by his spirit, okay? Now, mind you, some people might call this a demonic thing, you know? <laughs> this is not demonic. I mean, the steps of a righteous man or woman are ordered by the Lord. We, all, we, all, we often have this thing in our head as, oh, it's, he's always going to be leading us into good. It's always going to be good, right? Peachy, rosy. How, it doesn't say that. And so I'm learning what it means to be led by his spirit and letting it manifest in front of me. And it doesn't always look, I didn't want this. <laughs> I didn't want this at all. Who wants to have their income just totally removed out from underneath them like that? Because that's how long it took. <laughs> One minute you're gainfully employed, the next minute you're like, see ya, kick to the curb. Okay, and you start thinking all manner of thoughts. Um, and I'll tell you right then and there, I wasn't thinking the Lord's my provider. I can tell you that right now. That never crossed my mind initially. <laughs> Even though we know that's true, the human side to me, you know, when it says the flesh wars against the, the, the breath of God within you, I felt that warfare <laughs> going on at that moment. Man, there was anger. There was disappointment. I was shocked. I was frustrated going, how can this be? Everything was going great. And so when you think you know what it means to be led, you better think again because <laughs> God's going to always... This is part of growing in him, growing and developing as a son. And in front of you, you have a teaching here that is titled Looking and Leading. Yahweh looks and the Spirit leads. And I know there's been teaching on this verse, and the Lord kind of brought me into it weeks before we went on this, this journey. And I was thinking I was going to share that in Florida. And I even mentioned it during the teaching. I had another thing lined up, and then the Lord kind of directed me over here. So when I got back yesterday, I've been in job search mode 12, 14 hours a day. Okay? I, my back's against the wall. <laughs> it, it's just there. So um, anything I've got paid, you know, the severance was sucky, pardon my expression, two weeks, all the, all the hard-earned work, you know, and... Uh, they won't even pay out everything that you had on your vacation and personal time. It's only vacation time. So it's, it's all about the company and not about the employee. It really is. It's really, it's really a sad thing because the, the systems in our country are absolutely broken. 
And I haven't even really went into the unemployment side. That's a whole other story. <laughs> but the sequence of events that occurred were sudden. There were obstacles in the pathway. One of the obstacles was trying to even get unemployment started. Okay? I called in. I know I'm kind of going all over the place, and I apologize, but there's so much to share. On the 21st was when I uh, got laid off. We had already had the vacation planned the next day. We were getting on a plane. And I had already mapped out, too, a couple of weeks for another trip. And didn't know that this was going to happen. So anyway, we still got on the plane. So Monday, when we got to the beach house, or that's when I had the first chance to do this. I got on the phone with uh, TWC and said, hey, I need to file an unemployment claim. And they're like, well, um, we're showing that you have a fraudulent claim that was filed in 2020. I'm like, oh, really? Wasn't me. Um, so I had to go through a whole process, filling out a form online, and saying, I didn't do this, but now I'm trying to file. And I said, okay, great. What's, what's the next steps? Always ask that question. No matter where you what's the next steps? Well, you have to wait on Austin to call you. And I'm like, oh, wait. So once I filed, once I filed the claim that it wasn't me, they sent an automated message that says, anytime you get one that says no reply in the line, don't, don't reply back because they're not going to answer it. Okay, so I was like, so you don't want to talk to me, right? Okay, great. So I waited a few days, and I'm not one to, I give people time. You know, you give people a few days, and surely they'll respond. They didn't. So I called back, and I said, I haven't heard anything. Um, can you give me an update? He's like, well, sir, we, we can't give you an update. We're really, this is his term, really compartmentalized here. We do this for, um, for them, and then we pass it off, and then they have, the, the state has to call you. And I'm like, okay, broken, broken. The two of them, they're, they're working together, and they don't talk to one another. It sounds really familiar, doesn't it? From the federal government down to the state government, the local government. This, I wouldn't even go into the medical side, the stuff we're having to fight with uh, Trisha's mom. She's got some issues going on, and those systems are broken. So it's like, how can this happen? Everything is so broken. Why can't people fix it? So at any rate, a gentleman said, I said, well, do you have an email address where I can email somebody at the state or a phone number? Well, sir, they really don't give that to us. And I'm like, what good are you? I'm sorry. What good is this system here if you can't help people that really need it? I'm not abusing the system. I've seen that side, too. When we first moved here, I worked for TWC for two years in the welfare reform system. I've seen the abuse. You've got a legitimate citizen of this country reaching out and saying, hey, I need help, and there's so many hoops, and there's so much brokenness in the system that I think most people, like Pastor Fabian, he just gave up. He gave up because he couldn't get it fixed. So I said, you know what? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not doing this. This is an obstacle. I'm going through. And so what did I do? Okay. I waited eight, nine days, nothing. I heard one thing from the state. So I came into the living room after a 12-hour job search day from searching jobs, networking, talking to people, getting on phone, you know, doing what you need to do. And <laughs> Trisha turned. She said, well, why don't we turn to social media? Okay, might as well. I mean, 
I didn't realize the Spirit could lead us in, into a social media platform and bring a bring a, a remedy, a grace remedy. So she said, okay. So she typed up a post, and within a few minutes, Cassandra McClure, oh, okay, well, she's married now, responded and said, I went through the same thing back in the pandemic. And during the pandemic, there was a major surge of fraudulent claims like this that just went through the roof. People, hackers, unbelievable. And so over, over a couple of uh, responses back and forth, I said, well, what did you do? She said, well, I got, I got on all the major uh, state representative websites, and I found email addresses, and I sent one, and within a day, this thing was removed. I said, that's the remedy. What are the email addresses? <laughs> and so we're in Messenger back and forth. She gave them to me. It was late. Uh, one night she gave those email addresses to me and so the next morning the first thing that I do I'm you know up at 7 a.m. it's my full-time job to search for a job that's what I'm doing all day all night and so I grab them I send this message out within 30 minutes time a TWC representative it must have been an, uh, one of the managers responded back to me and says hey send me your phone number i'm so sorry this is happening to you send me your phone number so i sent it to her in the meantime right after i sent that to her a recruiter called me so i'm on the phone with a recruiter and i noticed an austin number and i'm like oh which one do i take both were important so i stayed on the phone call she left a message with her name her phone number her direct extension i called her back and she said I am going to expedite this and send this over. You will hear back from someone today, and we'll get this thing removed, and then you can start the process. I said, great. Thank you, God. Who would have ever thought God could use Facebook to bring a rem? I mean, if he could, the equivalent would be he used an evil king for his purpose in the Old Testament, okay? These are just modern. So I, I was grateful for that, and then... After I got off the phone, you, of course, your mind goes, oh, yeah, let's see if they follow through here. Remember, it's broken. The system's crazy. <laughs> at 1.35, and I've got it down to the T because I remember seeing it. At 1.35, a representative from the TWC office calls me and says, I'm here to get your claim going. The other thing has been removed. And what, you know what's funny about this? They paid the benefits out to whoever did the fraudulent claim. How does that happen? Because... I understand now they, they contact the employer and they have to do something in order for them to pay out the benefits. How did that happen? Plus, they got to use your Social Security number. How does that happen? So I don't understand it all. So we went through within 30 minutes' time, had everything set up, everything ready to go, and she said she started going through all the requirements. And I'm like, oh, God. I mean, all these hoops, all this red tape. You got to do this. You got to do this. I'm like, okay, slow down. She's, are you writing this down? But like, you got to slow down. There's way too many steps here. Do this, do that, do this. Every two weeks you need to file. Da, 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 da. I'm like, it's almost like they, they have you go through so much that you just get so frustrated that you just say, forget it. <laughs> and you don't want to do it. And um, I found out through Facebook, Kelly, you know, talking to Kelly, and it's primarily Kelly. She said, Fabian went through this and wasn't able to ever get the claim removed. I said, here you go. Here's the remedy. Apply this, and they will. what they will do is they can backdate it. They, they know when he tried to file initially, I said they can backdate it, and he can get that payment in a lump sum. 
and up to six months. So it's crazy that you have to go through so many hoops. And I bring all of that up. I hadn't planned on going through all of that. It's already 930. But this, this is important through this whole sequence. Um, do you think any of this through, uh, was a curveball to God? <laughs> no. Who was it? Was it for me? Absolutely. <laughs> Everything was a curveball. I mean, it was a curveball, screwball, whatever you want to call it. It was every ball you can think of. And then, you know, you start to process it. You know, is, did the enemy do this? We're quick to blame things on the enemy, right? Um, is God in this? So I went through all those questions. And you have to believe, our belief is, if he orders our steps, if he did not want that to happen, he would have stopped it. It would not have happened. Now, some things are enemy-driven. We, we recognize that. This was not one of those cases. So when I say I am learning how to be led by his spirit, this is it right here. <laughs> Does it feel good? No, because that war, I face it every single day. My flesh and his breath in one body fighting one another, like Paul talked about in Galatians chapter 5. Now, I will say this. Even though there's war going on on the inside of me, there's tremendous peace, too. So you've got the flesh raging, but the breath also in there as well the breath of the Lord in us and I'm saying all this to to try to be a measure of encouragement especially to uh, you know Ricky I'm just gonna say his name Ricky got his John Deere letter after me teaching about learning to be led he said I had no idea it was gonna manifest so quickly I, I didn't either I, I take it back let's go back no way and but it's just learning to be led then and, and learning to discern too at a much much higher level this is of God's choosing everything that we face is father filtered everything everything all of this led me to this point and so before I left and this this is why this word is so encouraging me it should be to you as well Yahweh is looking and he sees everything that goes on in our lives every single thing and when Isaiah penned this so many years ago, in Isaiah 61, it's, he sa it says this, Thus saith the Lord, Yahweh says, The heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you're going to build unto me? Where is the place of my rest? Sounds like he knows what he's doing. He's talking about heaven being his throne, the earth, the entire earth being his footprint or footstool. That's a massive footprint, right? <laughs> when you look down at yours, you think, 
Here's mine right here. His is so much more vast than anything. I can't even fathom that. I know what it means. I, we know the reality of it. And he says, this earth is mine. Thus saith Yahweh. The enemy can tell us, oh, I'll give you the glory and everything that the deposits there. No, uh <laughs> Some people think the enemy is the, owns this earth. No, sir, not according to what he says here through Isaiah. He said it's mine. And he wants to partner with mankind to see that restored. Now, I know people have issues with that. They think, oh, but Jesus paid for it all. Yeah, he paid for our sins, okay? But if you go, if you go to Las Vegas, Nevada, and you go down through that strip there, do you think the Lord is, is he occupying that area right now? Absolutely not. Just look at all the sin and the debauchery. So that part of the earth, he's prophetically saying, everything is mine, and I want to partner with someone in those areas to restore that thing back to its original glory and intent. I know why people have such a hard time with redemption and forgiveness of sins is totally different than the, the restoration of things in the earth. I mean, why are we here? If that's the case, we should all just go on and be, go to heaven or go to hell, wherever, and everything be done, right? It makes no sense when, and that's just the thing. People have no spiritual sense at all these days. We're not talking about common sense. Man, that, that, that's, there's nothing common today about our sense. But, so here he's talking about heaven, the earth, building a house, right, okay? These terms are so... He's building a Pneumatikos house. He wants a place, a location, where his abiding presence, the Manuka, can be established and remain wherever that might be. And it's not behind the confines of a wall. He's not confined to walls. We tend to associate the Manuka with structure, but we know it's not. It's beyond that. When you talk about the footstool, it's beyond just my little footprint I make here. Every sole of your foot. I'm going to take the land, right? Well, he, he's going to take it in a much more broader way. But, and then he says in this next verse, For all those things hath my hand made, Yod, the open hand. We all know, right? The one that, where he's ex extending an invitation of partnership. And all those things have been, saith Yahweh, but to this man will I look. And this is, this, is, this is the phrase that, you know, has really, this happened over two weeks ago, and this was a prophetic word for me, and it's a prophetic word for anybody else that's going to face challenges. You might not be facing it right now, but tomorrow is a new day. <laughs> and I'm not prophesying this over you, but I'm saying be prepared and be ready for whatever's coming because it ain't pretty. I'm just telling you, don't be discouraged if things start to, I'm not saying your job's going to be stripped. Don't go there. I'm saying there might be some things you're going to face that's an obstacle, but just because an obstacle's there does not mean we can't overcome that. We talk these verses, okay? A lot of times we talk about them when there's really no obstacles to overcome or there's not a mountain in front of you. That's easy. Well, I'm talking about for all of us is when you are in it, your back's against the wall. You ain't got no money coming in. <laughs> That's totally different. So don't be discouraged. 
The Spirit is guiding us and leading us into better things. And I don't know what that better thing is yet. I know there are responsibilities that we have to do. We have to do our due diligence. If I sat back and I didn't do any job search and I wallowed in depression for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, God would allow it and he would still help. But don't allow that. That's more enemy-induced there. So just be encouraged. To this man will I look. And the Hebrew word for look here is nabat. And it means to scan and to look very intently at something or someone with great pleasure, favor, and even care. Now, I ask this question again for you to think about. Does Yahweh know every facet of who we are and what we face in this life? Again, don't don't look at don't look at this. I'm not talking about look, look at don't look at circumstances. Don't look at anything else. Just strip all of that away. Does he does he see everything that we face? Yes, and he knows everything beforehand, right? We talk about, oh, he's, omnip- he's omniscient. Oh, you sing about it, but we ain't got no, we're really in a great state a lot of times. You, you, you hear what I'm saying, right? We, we say it when everything is going great. Oh, oh, he's omnipresent. Oh, we ain't got a problem in the world. But the minute we start having challenges or obstacles or something like this happens, oh, my God, oh, he's left me. Oh, and we, we, go, we go nuts. We just lose it, right? That's the flesh raging on the inside of us. And somehow we start to think, oh, God's not anywhere near me. Oh, he's left me. This wouldn't have happened. That would have, and you see how we go down those trails? It's not true. He's got it. When I say he has everything in control, the focus is on him, not me. I'm not saying I got everything in control and I feel great today. <laughs> I don't. But I know that he is working all things out for the good to them that agape him. And that's us. So no matter what you're facing now or in the coming days, do not ever forget this verse. Because it has so helped me over the last week and a half. I cannot begin to tell you how much this has touched me deep in my spirit and in my, in my thoughts and in my soul. So this man that I'm going to look at, now, first he says poor. Now, if you look at this word, and it's ani in the Hebrew, not ani, but ani, A-N-I, I believe is how it's spelled out. But it actually means depressed like in your thoughts or by your circumstances and it can also mean if we look at the new testament poor in ruach the recognition of being in need or reliant on or or like you're searching for provision and supply it has nothing to do with finances here there's nothing in here that would indicate God's looking for somebody that doesn't have any money. That doesn't make any sense. 
It doesn't make sense according to the context here. He's talking about spiritual realities. Heaven, earth, the footstool, building a house for him, his resting place for his manuka. And so last night when I was studying this, I went, wait a minute. It didn't say press. Remember the prefixes? Depress. Depression. By the circumstances, and that's some of the things I've felt. I'm like, I, your circumstances can lead to depression, right? I, I haven't been depressed, don't get me wrong, but the feeling of that, the feel, you know what it feels like to be impressed or depressed or stressed. I mean, all these stresses, we all know what that feels, it's the feeling of that. God is never depressed. So the war that's raging is inside us. <laughs> and these, whole, these, these past number of weeks have really, really shown me what that means and how, God, how Yahweh's plan, his plan, it's Yahweh here, is directing all of this, and his eyes are focused on certain people. And in this case, he's identifying people that are in, having issues with their, their thoughts, and their circumstances bringing depression, but at the same time, in the midst of this, I feel the other side of that coin too, where I have I, I, a desperate need for him and to be reliant on him. So all of that is in this mix. And I started to look, I felt led to just do a quick search on poor. On this word, and I found, and I and I searched it all, and it, this is, I'm not going to go through all of this, but this whole teaching is smattered with this this word for look. So we know the eyes of the Lord are there. So I, I felt directed to study every time the Lord's eye, where He was looking, which is His, his vision, His eyes. Now in the Book of Psalms, it's all over the Old Testament. The there's a combination of words poor and needy that are linked to one another in Psalms. So a quick study of this, the word for, we've already looked at poor, ani, but needy is the Hebrew word ebyon, not elion, but ebyon, <laughs> and it's from Abba. Okay, you go, hey, hang on here, just, just stay with just a minute. So if you're identified as someone that's poor, God recognizes you're, you're having issues that are, that are depressed thoughts and your, your, your circumstances are kind of causing you to do that, but at the same time you realize you need him and you're totally reliant on him. To be needy, poor and needy, means you feel a sense of want or destitution that you need to breathe after his purpose in order to survive, in order to make it. Poor and needy, they're different. Okay, I know, I know, that's, a, I know that's a mouthful. Does that, does that make sense? Man, it so makes sense to me right now. I'm telling you, my spirit is all over this. <laughs> I feel this. I know it to be true. So in Psalm 47, when it says the poor and needy, it says the Lord will think upon me. Adonai has placed us in that situation, the poor and the needy, and he's looking upon us, and he's thinking about us. 
That totally goes against everything that's raging inside me because everything in me says, he's nowhere near me. He doesn't have a clue. He doesn't care about you. And then the enemy voices start to say all manner of evil. But I have to, I have to know that my placement in him, he's thinking about me in the midst of this. I'm poor. I'm needy. I know I need to breathe after him in this place where he's looking and he's leading me. That is so profound to me. So I, I continued with that study, poor and needy. Psalm 69, 33. Yahweh hears the poor, or Ebion. <laughs> the poor and needy is referenced in Psalm 86, 1. Yahweh lifts the need, or Ebion, out of the dunghill. Thanks be to God for that one, right? Psalm 113, 7. Man, I, I, it feels like the dunghill. <laughs> I have to, I've been laughing a lot too so that has to be the Lord in the midst of all of this Yahweh satisfies the Ebion with bread Psalm 132.15 believe for that man he's, this is bread here that he's given the poor and needy Isaiah 41.17-20 those that are seeking water and there is none he says in that context he's going to make rivers in high places Fountains in the valley, pool in the wilderness, dry land and springs of water, and this is done by the hand of Yahweh in action. The chosen fast. He's going to bring the poor that are cast out of, of his house in, in Isaiah 87, 58 to verse 7. Cast out means those that have been maltreated or an outcast or feel like they're destitute. That's this poor here. He's not left us. He's not going to forsake us. And then I, I just put the phrase in there, poor in Numa. It's just a recognition of, hey, I cannot do this on my own. Same concept here. But so many times you got people that rise up in the church and always want to, oh, if you're poor, you know, God doesn't want you to be poor. Yes, he does. <laughs> doesn't he? So where, where's this concept? You know, be able, uh, He wants us to be rich towards God right the richness in him is found through obstacles and difficulties and challenges you ask any entrepreneur that has ever did anything in starting a business and they'll tell you they learn more with the challenges and the obstacles than they did any other thing right <laughs> Paul Paul said it this way I have learned to be content. Same terminology. I'm learning at this present time what it means to be led by his spirit. And, and I know there's, we, we know we're going to face things in, in the coming days. It's my prayer that you don't face it this way. <laughs> That's my prayer. I, you know, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not releasing this, but I know that there has got to be something of an incredible nature and even just, just sharing here. My coworkers by the droves were just calling me and doing this and that and emailing and um, they're prophesying things over me and they have no idea that they're even doing it. 
One, one guy said, man, he said, there's so much more coming for you. Just, and, and he's speaking this stuff. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I hear you. But I still feel the rage on the inside of my flesh. <laughs> Paul didn't say that was going to ever end, right? He did not. He said, you're going to, this war is continually going on. And, but we, we, we think we know how, or, or how it's going to manifest or really what it means. But I'm, I'm. The more I learn, the less I know. <laughs> that's just, and that's a great place to be. So poor. And then he says in, in Isaiah 62, verse 2, and of a contrite ruach, contrition is there. He didn't say pride. People that think they got it all going on and they're kicking it and taking it and doing whatever, you know. No, he says a contrite. And then a third thing here. Someone that is trembling at my Debar word. And, you know, I've got that. It's a reverential fear. Someone that is more concerned with the word of the Lord than they are anything else. And then in verse 3, he starts to transition and he's speaking about what's currently happening during this time frame. God's saying, my, my plan is focused on poor, con contrite person, somebody trembling after my word. Man, you want the eyes of Yahweh and his plan to be upon you? And, and it is. This is us. I, I look at all of you. All three of these are us. We demonstrate this. We live this. So no matter what you're facing... Or what's coming, don't ever forget these two or three verses. Don't ever forget this. I pray that this gets deep inside of us to where we, we will truly believe God even though there's, our flesh is raging on the inside. Even though the breath of the Lord is still. That's, that's, it's an oxymoron. How can there be a warfare of two different Hear me out here. I'm just using this, um, not literally, but two different people on the inside just back and forth. The flesh and, and the breath of the Lord, it's there. You know, I may, I may wake up in the morning and feel totally different, you know. And when I say feeling, I'm talking about we're spirit beings, but we can spiritually feel things, right? I'm not talking about our emotions. I'm just saying Anyway, I don't know what I'm saying at this point. I do know what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's a war. It, when Paul said, I, I know what it means now. <laughs> I thought I knew what it meant. Mm -mm. It's at a whole new level now. So Isaiah says in verse 3. Now this almost seems like it's totally out of place here. But it, it references people deciding to choose their own way. He said, he that kills an ox is as if he slew a man. He that sacrifices a lamb as if he's cut off a dog's neck. He that offers an oblation as, as offering swine's blood. He that burns incense as if he's blessed an idol. So what does that mean? These are all abominable practices and actions that the people were engaged in at that time. Now, I don't think any of us will go and say, I'm going to find this dog and cut his neck off. That's, that's sickening. 
When you look at what an abomination is, it's something that God detests. He hates it. He cannot, does not want us to be associated with it. And it doesn't, have to, it doesn't have to be murderous like this. There are people within the church that are partnering with abominable practices and have abominable actions. It's sad, but it's true. And he says in verse 3, you have chosen this. They willingly selected to do this. Their own ways. Derek, they, they, they charted out this pathway here. And they decided to veer off and take another mode of action. And then he says, and their soul delights in their abominations. And that, so that sets the stage here. So Yahweh looks, people choose, Yahweh makes a choice. In verse, 60, uh, uh, verse 4, he says, I also will choose their delusions. Now, this word for delusion here, um, it's something that's sudden, unpredictable change in, in, in someone's behavior or attitude. Um, in some cases, it means a vexation or somebody that's acting as a tyrant. Interesting. And he says, I will bring their fears upon them. This sounds terrible, doesn't it? Did God do this? The people chose their own pathway. Because of that, these delusions and all their fears, God says, I'm going to give that. That's exactly what you've chosen. That's exactly what you're going to get. Remember, he is, God is perfect in every way. This is the very thing that the enemy, the enemy could have chosen not to be a man killer. I mean, he could have chosen another pathway, but he chose willingly. And at that point, he was no longer found perfect in all his ways. The scripture even says that. And iniquity was found. And God said, I cannot, iniquity cannot be with me. It is not part of who I am. And he cast that out. Here's why God did this. This is tragic, and this is a representation of some of the things that are going on in the church today. He said, I did this because when I called, none did answer. And answer there means no one paid attention to what I was doing. No one responded to, to, to my voice. And then he said, well, that, no, that's just when he called. The second part is, when I spake, no one decided to shema. No one wanted to hear nor obey what I was releasing. Is God releasing things today to his church? <laughs> what are we doing? That's us. Everything we've done here, all that he's made us to be, we're created in his image, the very model and resemblance of the heart of God is inside every one of us that represents the seven spirits and his way he thinks, that's who he is. We embody that, every facet of who God is. I recently was privileged to teach this to the Brazilian people, and they were blown away by this. Created in the image, most people have no idea what that means. 
We, through experience, revelation, prayer, God's revealed what that image resembles. It's, it's, it's magnificent. It's incredible. Every person on this planet has that inside them. They can choose to accept the sacrifice and be born again, and then that, that, that model or that resemblance comes alive at that point, or they can choose pathways like this. You know, I've been on both sides. I know when, you, when I chose my pathway prior to being changed, <laughs> it was delusional, it was fearful, and, and every other thing imaginable. But they did evil before mine eyes. This is, I'm going back to the verse 4. And they chose that which I did not delight in. So when people decide to go off course, take another action, get on another pathway, things like this can begin to happen. Now, I'm going to finish. <laughs> we all know the story of Samuel. That young boy, I mean, I marveled at how, how he made it, considering his childhood. Man, it, it's, it's remarkable to see how God preserves his chosen ones. It is absolutely remarkable. But even individuals like Samuel have that flesh raging inside of them and can easily make, make the wrong decisions. But in the midst of it, you remember, we know God, if we're, if we're making a wrong decision, I believe like Yahweh did here with Samuel, he can, he can correct that and go, hey, don't, don't look at the outward appearance. I don't look that way. He can still give us and get us to make the right decision. So I'm not saying God's not there to help us. We know he is. And he will give us insight in the pathway. So you guys can go back and kind of read that. Now, one thing that I'm learning some things about the heart that's different. It's, it's really new, and I'm, not, I'm kind of still studying it and praying about it, but it says that Yahweh looks, ra'az, on the, the, the heart. And the heart, the physical heart, is the most interior organ, and that's where, where our feelings are, that's where the will is, um, uh, and the intellect. It's internal. It is not visible to the human eye. You cannot see it. And God said, man cannot see into the deep places of your heart. He cannot, I see that. And that's part of the crypto, but I mean, it's, it's, some of you know this, some of you don't. While we were in Florida, this is another obstacle. <laughs> it's okay. I say these things, I'm not discouraged, you guys. I, I don't want you to think I am. I'm encouraged. The Lord is so faithful. But I'm saying all these things as a point of, of encouragement to go, you know, don't get discouraged when things go haywire, chaotic for you. 
While we're in Florida, we get a phone call, Trisha does, and found out her mom's got 100% blockage in one of her arteries. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> like, okay, Lord, I'm, I don't think I can take any more here. Are you going to find a way of escape for me here? I'm, you know, you're thinking those thoughts, and evidently I guess he thinks we can handle it. I'm glad he thinks so much of me because sometimes <laughs> I don't think that way of myself. And that just shows you the difference in the way God thinks about you as a person. Perspective. So we're thinking, um, okay, do we take you to the airport, go to Jacksonville, get on a plane, send you back? So the whole heart issue, (laughs) I didn't know this either, but the heart can function. It has different branches that come off of it, and it can function with 100% blockage because she wouldn't have had a stress test, and the stress test is supposed to push you to the max and see if you're going to kill over. They didn't, the doctors don't tell you that, but that's what it's for. <laughs> she made it and passed normal. So the heart is something that can, can still continue to work even in the midst of blockage. So I bring up the heart here as a reminder. When, when we talk about being in the heart of God, what do we really mean by that? Well, two things come to mind to me. The heart of God is perfect. There's no blockage. There's nothing like that in, in there. It's, we're created in that image. His heart is in us. So when we're moving in the heart of God, we're feeling the divine, perfect feelings that he has towards a person, place, city, It's all something that's internal within him, and it's all perfect. I mean, we know some of this stuff, but he's sharing things with me at this stage, and you you guys know what this feels like. This is totally different than anything I've ever brought standing here, and it's, it's a different experience. It's great, but I'm feeling things in his heart now that he feels that I didn't know weeks ago. So those are the good things that are coming. Those are the great things that you want to focus on. And then I'm going to conclude with this. Um, um, Let's see. I didn't even get to this, but it's okay. So on page four, we all all know this this passage, and I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to summarize it and end. Jesus was led by the breath into the wilderness. Do you ever, now, we, I'm not, I don't want you to think about the desert. Well, okay, even though that's part of it. I want, you to, I want you to think more about the isolation while you're there. Not the dryness. That's, that's definitely there. But when you're in a place like this, you feel all alone. So did he. How did he make it through this wilderness encounter? Number one, he knew that his father had led him here. And here's here's our great example. To be like Jesus, right? This is it. Oh, I don't want to be that Jesus. Give me another one. I mean, that's... (laughs) 
this is it. Sons are going to be led into places of his choosing, in places of isolation where you feel all alone. And to make matters worse, satanic forces are going to be released, unleashed, to come and tempt us. Man, that sounds like God is so cruel, doesn't it? It's not when you look at the overall reason why. Why are you there? Would, would, he, would he put us in a solitary place like that to cause us to want to fail? He's putting us there because he knows we're going to overcome. I don't think for one minute God would put us in a place like that if he didn't know the, the, uh, the outcome was going to be great. That's just the way God thinks. God doesn't think in failure. He doesn't. He doesn't think of, oh, boy, Stacy, she really missed the mark on this. I'm going to leave her for about a week. He doesn't think that way. We think that way. That's the, that's the raging nature of our carnal nature. Man, if somebody does one thing wrong to me, I ain't talking to you forever. Get away from me. I don't want to be around you. I hate you. I mean, we can, we do this. Now, I'm not going to go, there's a lot of things that happen. And, I, and maybe at some point I'll, I'll we're going to be tempted in solitary places like this to use our authority inappropriately. That's what the stones to bread really means. And it's going to be at our very weak point that the tempter comes and she says, oh man, turn these stones, make it into bread. You don't think the enemy knows us? He knew he was hungry, right? Seems like he's got at least one or two teeth in there, right? He does have some twisted sense. It's twisted. <laughs> but see, all these thoughts that people think are just, they're not aligned with the Scripture. He knows the situation is full under control. Even when I don't see it. And I'm just, I'm hammering this home because I know when this hits, we are so prone to lose it. Maybe that's what we need to do. Lose it so we can find him in the midst of it. I mean, the confrontation that goes on in, in, in solitary like this, in, in a wilderness-like condition, is a, the enemy is addressing our identity as sons. Every time he say. If you're the son of God, if you're the son of God, do this. No, 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 I can't use my relationship and the authority inappropriately. No, I can't do that. But then you speak the word. And it's in these, in these weak points of solitary confinement, as it were, <laughs> that we say, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every rhema that comes out of the mouth of God. Rhema comes in these solitary time frames we're in. That's, that's almost like, okay, um, I, I never asked this. Hey, put me in the wilderness. Uh, nobody's ever said that. So they say, put me in coach, but nobody's ever said, put me in the wilderness. <laughs> but there are so many things that we gain, but it's perspective. The enemy wants us to become so twisted in this that we, we don't know um, 
what's going on, but God is looking to us. We're poor. We're contrite. We tremble at his word. We all love his word. Every single one of us in here does. We love that. I cherish that. These are places when it's going to come in richness. So I'm going to pray and I'm, I'm going to end. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to share with my family that you've given to us because we're truly family in the Lord. And I pray in the coming days when things are going to start to manifest and our lives are going to be impacted in these ways, however you see fit, always, always quicken these verses to us that you're looking to us because we've, we're poor. We recognize that we need you. We're contrite. We want to be caught up in the wind, and we tremble at your word. And I just pray these blessings over all the people here and those listening throughout the network. And I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.